This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Bored of too many ads and dull, meaningless chat? We've got neither. Joy Drive, smart, fun radio. Health and wellness on Joy Drive. Dr. Evangeline Mancioris is the Program Director of Nutrition and Food Sciences at the University of South Australia, joins us fortnightly. Good afternoon, Evangeline. Good afternoon, Warren. How are you? I'm well, thank you. And I'm excited about talking about these. And I'm right by referring to them as nasty forever chemicals, aren't I? That's right. And they're called forever chemicals because they don't break down. Ever. They are quite nasty. Yeah, absolutely. So what exactly are they? So they're called PFAS. That's the acronym for a long word, which is polyfluoroalkyl substances. And altogether, there's about 15,000 different of these chemicals. Um, and they're used in products to make um, them water resistant or stain resistant or grease resistant or heat resistant. So they've got that really good quality for them, as you can imagine, in a number of applications. But the problem is they don't break down and they stay in your body. And they have been linked to different sorts of cancers, liver problems, thyroid issues, potentially birth defects, kidney disease, as well as decreased immunity. And the Mm. one that people have probably heard of is the one that's called BPA, biphosphonol A. And it was the one that was in all the plastic tubs and cups and plates and whatnot. And suddenly we saw all our products coming out and being labelled as BPA-free. That's right. But BPA, if you just said like there's 15,000 of these chemicals and BPA is one of them and all the things that you said, the qualities of these chemicals sound really attractive in terms of cooking ware, takeaway food containers, etc. So they sound like they make our life easy, which means people would tend to use them, I imagine. And if there's 15,000 of them and they cause these effects, I don't like the sound of it. I know, I know. That's the problem, I guess, when we have modern conveniences. You know, there's this downside where they can be quite problematic. And so the question has always been, are they in our food supply and are they in our water supply? And the answer to that is yes. Um, And the reason we're talking about it today was because there was a paper released a couple of weeks ago about a US study. And what the US study found was that they were in drinking water, but they found it in things like tea, probably because of the tea bags, pork, confectionery, sports drinks, processed meats, butter, chips, bottled water, and also in takeaway products. But what I did was had a look about what about what do we get in Australia? Because what we see in America and Australia can be two different things. And the last time they were tested in Australia was in 2021. And the results were published in a study called the Australian Total Diet Study of Food and Beverages in Australia. And they look at a whole lot of different things. In this case, they also looked at these forever chemicals. And what they found was, and they set up different scenarios of different types of foods, if you like, different patterns that people could eat in our community. And what they found was that the levels of them in our diet at that stage were lower than the tolerable tolerable daily intake that's been set. And this is the level that's been set that's thought to be of no concern or limited concern to people. And in fact, when they did all these different dietary scenarios, it only reached about 1% to 13% of that tolerable daily intake. So it is low. And also reassuringly, our levels are a lot lower than they find in other countries 
from Europe, the US, United Kingdom, and China. So that's good news. Some but, of the before <laughs> the call. Sorry, I was, was going to say just just on that, like in terms of they assess that uh, this level is uh, you know the standard that we are, are below. But uh, and, and I don't expect you to necessarily know the answer right now. But how do they set that standard, and how do they know that that standard is the safe limit? Is it just you know a few people sitting around going, look, we think this is the safe limit, or is it actually they've studied the impact on people and said, you know what, we notice that once it gets to this level of concentration in them, they start to have these nasty effects that we mentioned before. The latter is the right one then, Warren. Uh-huh. Um, so we obviously can't do experiments on it. They may have done studies in animals and in cell studies in laboratories to start giving them some clues. But then what they also do, do is look at the levels in people, try to find out what they're having in their diet. But more, more importantly, when they look at those levels in people, they then look at what sort of diseases they get and if that's different to a group of people who have much lower levels. And by using all these different bits of studies, they can pull it together and say, we think this is the right amount. We're chatting with Dr. Evangeline Mansioris, Program Director of Nutrition and Food Sciences at the University of South Australia, about forever chemicals that can be found in food and food packaging. Evangeline, I'm wondering if we look at some of the uh, the packaging that uh, these chemicals are contained in, I know uh, you've mentioned some of them before, what are some of the packaging that we do find them in and should we be therefore avoiding those things? For example, I think you mentioned grease-resistant paper. Like, should we not be using it? Is there something else we can use instead? Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because we're trying to stop the use of plastic, you know, glad wrap, as we call it here, you know, for the environmental impact. So it sort of goes to, well, what can be used? And I guess if possible, using um, plastic containers, but there's going to be a bit of risk with them as well. Mm. But the important thing is that most of the transfer of chemicals out of the plastic will occur at high temperatures. So you don't want to be heating your leftovers in the plastic container. Rather, you can pop them in the freezer in the plastic container because they're really handy there because, you know, every time you put something in the freezer, something drops, right? You don't want that to be a glass Mm. container. So store them in the plastic containers in the fridge and freezer. But when you come to warming them up, putting them into your plates or into, you know, um, uh, you know, glass bowls and whatnot, just to reduce the impact of it. So most of the transfer occurs, the hotter you have it. But the interesting thing about um, all this wrap, and I mentioned that study they did in the US, and this was the interesting bit of that US study was, they found that people that consumed takeaway foods had much higher levels of the forever chemicals in them compared to people who ate the same sort of foods that they made at home. And what they've uh. worked out is it's actually the packaging that the takeaway food comes in. So, you know, it, it's we know that takeaway food's bad generally because it's high in fat, salt, but now the packaging that it comes in can pose a problem. So, you know, I think we've always said if you make it at home, you're halfway there, and that's the case in terms of nutritional quality but also regarding these forever chemicals. Evangeline, I uh, bought a – I've been buying these salads from this lovely deli near me and they make them fresh and they're really nice and they put them in a, a container that looks like a cardboard container. And uh, I did some investigation and 
I, on the, they had the manufacturer name of the container on the bottom, but it's got a shiny sort of slippery surface on the inside of what is meant to be just a cardboard yeah. container. And, the, and it says, do not recycle. I'm thinking, why can't I recycle this if it's uh, just cardboard? Anyway, I reckon this container was coated with these uh, forever chemicals to make it because the oil, everything just sort of slipped out of a cardboard container. Now, that doesn't happen with ordinary cardboard, does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And we've all had that experience of the soggy cardboard container, haven't mm. we? Now, I know some of those containers are coated with a sugar film. Oh, I and could have eaten it. that's different to the one you've got, it. or they've also added this into that sugar film to make it even more resistant. Not sure, but it's, it's a bit disappointing, isn't it? Because you prefer mm. the cardboard, yet when it says you can't recycle it, you sort of think, well, what was the point of getting that one? And I think the important thing here is as consumers, we can stand up and inquire and say, look, do you have alternatives because we're Mm. not happy with this? And consumers can make a difference. So, you know, maybe take your own packaging if you like. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Accept that. Yeah, but um, it, it is a problem. And I think, you know, we all need to stand up and talk. And then the other thing is coffee cups. Oh, have they got them too? I don't know. I shouldn't be saying that on radio, should I, without knowing. But potentially, because they are water resistant, they may also have it. So it's something that, you know, would be a good little thing for someone to do, find out a bit more about, because they are also water resistant, aren't they? They don't get soggy. You're absolutely right. I use them because I don't, I don't drink coffee, so... Um, but, but one thing that I was thinking okay, is you've, you've mentioned that we, um, we shouldn't put plastic containers in the microwave, and, and that's a great rule. And that's something that I never do anyway is put plastic containers in the microwave. But if, if, if you could summarise it for us, Evangeline, what, what should we do to minimise the risk of these nasty forever chemicals? One, don't put the uh, plastic in the microwave. What else? Oh, look, I would, you know, takeaway food's always problematic and I realise it's so convenient for people and it's difficult for me to say, try to reduce the amount of takeaway food you eat. Um, but seeing if some places will take, you know, your um, packaging with it. So at the moment in Australia, we're not, we should be concerned but not alarmed because mm-hmm. the levels aren't quite as high. The problem also is um, how industry may dispose of some of these chemicals. And so that's the other way these chemicals get into our food supply because, you know, it's in the feed of the animals, it's in the grass, you know, all that sort of stuff. But having said this, and as scary as it sounds, remember that most people are still going to get ill because they're not eating the right type of food. So they're not having enough fruit, vegetables, whole grains and legumes. And that inappropriate diets and consuming lots of ultra processed foods will contribute to about 50% of the diseases we see in our society. So, you know, be concerned, think about what you're using and certainly the plastic in the microwave is a big one. But remember, they've got to get into your stew, Warren. That that stew comes up every time. I love the stew. I haven't made it for a few weeks, but I'm going to make it this weekend. We might have to revisit yeah. that at some time so everyone knows what we're talking about. Yeah. But uh, we know what forever chemicals yeah. are now. We know how to minimise the risk and avoid them. And it comes back to eating well and trying to eat as much stuff that you prepare yourself. Yeah, and also I guess the other thing is being perhaps wary of food that comes from America because we know the levels are much mm. higher there. So you know how we get some imported stuff from America? that's going to have higher levels than the ingredients and foods that are locally made. 
Absolutely. And another thing, we'll talk about this another day, uh, Evangeline, is the stuff that I've noticed comes from America has uh, high fructose corn syrup. We must talk about that one yes, day as well. Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. And corn oil. So, um, and both of them aren't brilliant. So, yeah, it, it is it is a problem because um, they subsidise their corn farmers and that's why there's so much of it in the food supply. Evangeline, before we let you go, one more question on these forever chemicals. If they're forever and they don't break down, do they stay in our bodies or do we sort of pee them out when we go to the toilet, like the uh, some of the vitamins and minerals that we've spoken about over the previous weeks? Look, some of them may be peed out, but at small levels, most of them will stay in the body. <gasps> there you go. Okay, Evangeline, we know what to do. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good fortnight, everyone. All right, we'll talk to you next week. That is Dr. Evangeline Mancioris, Program Director of Nutrition and Food Sciences at the University of South Australia. I still don't like the sound of them. I reckon um, we should avoid them. Joy Drive on Joy 94.9 FM in Melbourne, Joy on your digital radio, iHeartRadio, TuneIn.com or the Joy app. No matter where you are. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.